are listening to One Planet Podcast interview with Merlin Sheldrake, best-selling author of Entangled Life, How Fungi Make Our Worlds, Change Our Minds, and Shape Our Futures. You describe it so very well in Entangled Life. Yeah, it's such a wild world there. And there are so many different types of soil, of course, and all these different types of soil ecosystems, astonishingly diverse uh, places, um, diverse in terms of the physical environment and diverse in terms of the uh, living organisms who have adapted to different corners and crevices of these physical environments. Um, so it's really exciting to see us exploring more and more these details uh, of life in the soil, which remains so mysterious, you know, and it's just with the help of modern techniques like DNA sequencing and, um, and other such methods that we're, allow we're allowed, um, or we, we, <laughs> we give ourselves access to uh, these mysterious uh, realms. And there's a lot of interesting uh, developments in terms of what we can learn from fungi and uh, new um, ways we can help in the, the battle against climate change, expand on some of those exciting developments. Well, humans have been partnering with fungi for an unknowably long time, um, no doubt for longer than we've been humans, in fact. And um, for whether uh, as foods, eating mushrooms, um, as medicines, um, dosing ourselves with molds, um, other, um, other mushrooms that might help parasites or uh, other types of infection. I'm using mushrooms as um, tinder or a way to carry a, a spark, this very important thing that humans needed to do for a very long time. And as agents of fermentation, uh, as in yeasts um, creating alcohol, so humans have partnered with fungi to solve all sorts of problems. Um, and so fungi have found themselves in, enveloped within human societies and cultures for, for, for a long time. And, and so this is no different today. And we find ourselves in a position today where we are leaning on lots of these very venerable relationships that humans have with fungi um, and bringing them up to um, that are becoming modernized, whether that be antibiotic discovery um, or other uh, fungal medicinal properties. But there are also some, some interesting new situations that humans are finding themselves in. Um, and some of these new situations might be very helpful for us as we adapt to life on a damaged planet. And um, some of these exciting possibilities involve uh, building materials, uh, using fungi to create fungal mycelium to create um, new types of material that can be, um, that might um, helps to disrupt polluting industries like plastics um, or poisonous particulate um, resinous boards used in construction um, or to replace animal leathers um, and um, so these fungal building materials and fabrication materials are, are one exciting area and one of the things that's exciting about them is that they can be grown on waste products, on agricultural waste products. So it's a way of harnessing a waste stream um, and converting it into something with value. Um, and also in forestry and agriculture, you know, every time we cultivate a plant, we cultivate fungal relationships. All plants depend on fungi that live in their leaves and their shoots, and almost all plants depend on fungi that live in their roots um, to su support their growth and allow them to um, acquire nutrients from the soil. So, as we try to um, reform dysfunctional industrial, agricultural and forestry practices towards something more regenerative, we will inevitably um, 
be working with fungi and there might be ways that we can um, become more mycologically literate um, in order to develop these techniques. Many of these techniques are, uh, will be very familiar to traditional um, agricultural practitioners um, and they might just be brought up to date using the um, cutting edge tools of modern microbial sciences. Um, so there are lots of ways that fungi can help us. Um, there are also lots of ways that fungi cause problems for us and, and, and will no doubt continue to do so as climates change um, and as this range of different species changes. So you might have, for example, a fungal pathogen which moves into a new area um, as the climate warms and kills large areas of a forest, uh, which in that forest would then be decomposed by other types of fungi and return lots of carbon to the atmosphere. So this is not a simple story of fungal saviors. Um, there are lots of ways to be a fungus, but there are certainly many ways that we can become more mycologically literate and partner with fungi um, to help us move forwards in a good way. I love that expression, mycologically literate, because indeed the communication is, it's fascinating and it's so far-stretching the way trees can communicate through um, these mycelial networks. In your book, at one part, you mentioned like a story with some of the researchers that you were doing work with, the bat researchers in Panama Blue Forest. You made the joke that, that they've been spending so much time with the bats that they became like the bats themselves. And then they ask you kind of how the fungi have kind of changed you. Do you think you have like an answer for that that you could give us? And then also to that, do you think like there's ways we can learn from fungi that we could change our society for the better, both individually and collectively? So it's always a little hard to know how these things have affected you, uh, at least because it happens over a long period of time and, and usually gradually. But I've certainly found myself adopting a more fungal point of view. And that's not to say that I am experiencing things that a fungus would experience, but that I'm imagining a situation from a fungal point of view. For example, when I think about plants, I tend to think about plants as algae that have evolved to farm fungi and fungi that have evolved to farm algae. And that, that plants are a visible outgrowth of micro ancient my, mycorrhizal fungal associations. And just that awareness shifts the way that I experience um, the food that I eat, the plants that I eat, uh, and, and uh, um, ecologies that I encounter and that I walk through and live among. Um, so I think there are some other ways that, 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 that fungi have affected me, but to go through the more general point um, about how we can learn from fungi, and I think this is a very big question, and I think there are lots of levels on which we can learn from fungi. Um, and maybe I'll just list a few that I think are important, um, not an exhaustive list. But one might be um, the importance of um, networks of relationship. Um, that life is networks of relationship, that the smallest unit of analysis, as Donna Haraway says, um, is a relationship. And when we're talking about the living world, um, fungi are reminders of this because they form persistent physical connections between organisms. They embody the principle of ecology, which is the relationships between organisms. And so I think they make very good poster organisms for ecological thinking. Um, and leading on to another point, which is that the importance of symbiosis, fungi are symbiotically prolific and have entered into so many different symbiotic relationships, world-changing symbiotic relationships over um, the billion years that they've been around on the planet. Um, and symbiotic relationships are really important to think about because um, we are symbiotic organisms, all organisms are symbiotic organisms. And this raises these symbiotic relationships raise really interesting questions for us when we're trying to understand the nature of relationship. When we say 
interrelationship, it implies that there are two separate entities that need to be connected, that those separate entities are indeed separate and all they need is some link between them. But in symbiotic relationships, it becomes clear that that's not so much the case, that, that the entities arise out of their relationship, that the relationship is, um, is uh, fundamental to the identity of these two parties, that it's not like they're a prior existing two parties that then need to be connected afterwards. Um, so in these different symbiotic relationships, whether the relationships between fungi and plants or uh, the relationships that we see embodied in lichens, um, fungi teach us about um, the, the fundamental um, symbiotic nature of the living world and, and of um, the various uh, currents and patterns in evolution. Um, another point that I think that we can learn about fungi and um, that we can learn from fungi on is the formation of networks, um, decentralized, robust um, networks that remodel themselves that are sensitive to changes in the, um, their surroundings and circumstances. Um, and another point is about uh, waste, reframing our dysfunctional philosophies of waste. Fungi are um, profoundly um, embedded in their environments. They are a really remarkable, metabolically ingenious appetites in bodily form. And um, there are lots of ways that we can learn to think, I think, in more cyclic, cyclical ways about um, waste and what it means um, to, to think of a waste stream and design a waste stream. Um, another point would be about um, the fundamental processual nature of reality. Fungi form um, mycelial networks which have no defined body plan. Um, there's no fixed endpoint, no shape. Um, they don't become fully grown in the way that a human could become fully grown. Um, and so they remind us that all life forms are a continual process, um, that we are all in a state of continual becoming, um, and that fixed, um, neatly identifiable things are, are, are a fiction that we come up with to help us understand the world. Um, um, and then maybe the last one might be just the importance of what lies beneath, what's hidden, the, 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 um, the importance of the... Um, those forces in the living world which we cannot easily notice, we cannot easily see, but which are responsible for so much. Um, yeah, thank you. And just like a follow up to that. Um, so in your book, you also talk about how um, it, fungi shape our means of communication, both in just how we think just on the micro biome scale and how they're all around us and on us and how that influences our perception of different things. Um, do you think we could maybe learn something from how they communicate both with us and with themselves um, to understand, further understand our own ways of communication and even like human linguistics in a sense. Yeah, I think so. I think we can learn a lot from um, studying the way that all sorts of other organisms communicate, not just fungi and microbes. Um, but I think studying fungi and microbial communication and plant communication is, is, is a really exciting area for humans because it is quite different from the way that we um, understand communication in our own lives, um, or at least understand communication in the lives of um, large mammals, whether it be crows or whales or dolphins or, or humans um, or dogs. Um, when we start to ask questions about what the communication means in the context of these different lives, um, we start to put ourselves in different positions and start to imagine in new ways um, 
how these communications might have evolved and um, what purposes they might serve. Um, and I think that really helps us to um, understand more what we mean ourselves by um, a communication, um, uh, an intentional encounter where we try to convey some kind of a message um, to another party. Um, so I think there's all sorts of exciting things and possibility that we might actually learn to communicate with fungi in a more detailed way. Um, if we can, for example, pick up the bioelectric fluctuations in a fungus and we can start to map those two changes in its environment and we can maybe start to come up with an understanding of what different signal, um, dif what different signals um, mean for the fungus in the sense that if a fungus does this when it's exposed to this, then when we pick up this signal from a fungus, we can imagine that it's been exposed to this and other ways that we can then interpret um, what a fungus might be experiencing in its environment and maybe even use them as kind of um, sensors or um, somehow listen to their activity um, to understand more what's going on underground. It's very interesting. And yes, I look forward to the possibility of, you know, communicating uh, or in some way with uh, fungi. Uh, maybe in some ways they are already communicating with us in ways we don't understand. Uh, you know, they're there's a talk about how mushrooms can help rewire neural pathways in our brain to alleviate depression, anxiety, addiction, uh, in, even inspire creativity uh, and help us find new ways to solve problems. So maybe that's it's part of their subterranean way that we are already in communication. We're just not sensitive to it. It's very possible. And um and on all sorts of levels, we are surrounded by organisms who aren't just um, aut autom automatic um, computer-like um, machines, that they are actively responding to their environments and humans form part of their environments. So these organisms will be a lot of the time responding to us. Um, and so, um, and that could lead to all sorts of um, communicative pathways. But um, on a very basic biological level, we have yeasts that live in and on our bodies and play important biological roles for us. Uh, and um, our microbes have to be in dialogue with our immune systems, um, with our um, tissues and, and, and cells um, around which they live and manage their lives. And so on a, on a cellular level, we are already corresponding with these, um, with these symbiotic microbial partners of ours. Um, of which fungi make up a fraction. Yes, completely. I know. I mean, I personally, I eat each morning natto, and if I can't get it, I actually feel unwell, and so I, I don't know which ways. Um, and so it's just it's it's lovely um, to have that appreciation. And what I like about this, you're talking about the intelligence of fungi, or some call it uh, wet artificial intelligence. It's more empathetic, empathetic than. Um, other artificial intelligence perhaps is not so attuned to its environment. Um, do you mean do you mean that the fungi are wet artificial intelligence or? Um, I guess I, I heard this term. I mean, you're talking about these kind of um, new uh, procedures or inventions where um, using fungi to build structures. So it's a, a, an artificial, maybe it's not artificial. I, I don't know if that's the best description of it, but it's more a part of its environment than one has these fears about either computerized or digital artificial intelligence. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I see what you mean. I mean, I think of it more in terms of the beginnings of new symbiotic relationships um, that we're striking up uh, with fungi in these in these contexts that maybe we haven't um, related to them before, um, which resemble many relationships in the living world. I mean, the leafcutter ants and termites, for example, live their lives, the entire societies revolve around huge living fungal gardens um, that they um, they cultivate, they feed with fragments of leaf in the case of leafcutter ants or with bits of chomped up wood in the case of termites. Um, and then they eat whatever the fungi um, produce, the kind of decomposed compost that the fungi make. Um, but they live in structures designed to house fungi and are regulated very careful um, architectural features of the mounds to, you know, to get the right levels of CO2 and oxygen and moisture and temperature. Um, so maybe when people are building these structures with living fungi, um, it's a way of uh, rediscovering what termites and leafcutter ants have, um, have, have long worked with and for tens of millions of years, in fact. Thank you, Merlin Sheldrake, for what you're doing to help us understand this entangled life and the fascinating world of fungi. Appreciate the importance of biodiversity and create ecological awareness. We all live on one planet we call home. Thank you for adding your voice to One Planet Podcast at the creative process. Thanks for having me. We hope you've enjoyed this program and listening to the highlights of this podcast. If you'd like to get involved in One Planet Podcasts or learn more about environmental projects, click on the subscribe button. Thank you for listening.